The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Scary Parish. It's Monday, August 3rd, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and we are recording this around 2.45 Eastern on Monday afternoon. So the deadline for underclassmen to withdraw from the NBA draft is still in front of us, but just about every decision that will impact the top of the sport has been made. So we wanted to go ahead and get a new episode in your phone now that Norlander is back from vacation. Deadleg, welcome back. How was your time away from college basketball and I own college basketball podcast and from social media as well? Oh, that was the best part. I just completely dodged social media. And to anyone listening to this who might have something of a social media uh, addiction or affliction. I cannot recommend it enough, especially in the time of coronavirus, to just get away from it and improve just your mental health on a day-to-day basis there. It's just it's just not worth it. I will say this. Uh, what was it, Friday afternoon? Grass was getting a little long. Hopped out on the mower, did some... Did some cutting of my own grass, which I think is something Parrish hasn't done since 2006. And what do I see in my phone? <laughs> I see an eye on college basketball episode pop up. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, is GP going to go fly solo? And you practically did. Shouts to, <laughs> shouts to Kyle Boone and shouts to Kyle Porter. Um, Kyle Boone, you did a great job stepping in there. I thought you had some great insights. I was waiting to hear even more. But, I mean, I've actually, I, I think at this point in the podcast, I've already talked more on this episode than you let Boone talk on the last one. I feel, I, I feel like with the, in the moment, I didn't recognize it. But with the benefit of the hindsight, I, uh, I treated him a little bit like uh, Sam Vecini. <laughs> I, I, th- I think I over-talked him. <laughs> a, little, a little bit of that, uh, of that Sam Vecini. Yeah, that, that definitely, definitely happened. But no, the, um, the staycation, if you will, was, was, uh, was good. Got out, with, got out with the boys and, uh, and the wife, and we just did a little bit here and there. It was nice. It was first vacation for me in 2020. I'll sneak in another week. As you guys, I know you will too, at some point later this summer or come the fall. But uh, but it has been. I mean, I'm back in the saddle here as we hit this this deadline on Monday. GP, um, we bumped right up against uh, the deadline here, so it's actually as busy of a news day or as a busy of a 48 hour period for college basketball in terms of just like headline headline newsy bits here as we've had in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, so we'll get into most of the important stuff, but I do want to start with what I think was the biggest development of the weekend, and that's the development that originated in Champaign, Illinois. First, Ayu DeSumo announced he's withdrawing from the NBA draft, returning for his junior year at Illinois. Then Kofi Coburn announced he's withdrawing from the NBA draft, 
returning for his sophomore year at Illinois. As a result, for better or worse, I moved Illinois from unranked to number six in version 23.0 of the CBS Sports preseason top 25 and one Norlander. Be honest with me. Did I get carried away, or do you also think Brad Underwood's got a top 10 team, a legit Final Four contender? Hmm. Well, all right. So, Dasumu coming back is massive because he is. For listen, if you're listening to the Ion College Basketball podcast in August of an elongated offseason, you love the sport and we love you for doing it. That is the kind of move that I understand. Like, even Luca Garza can crack like the national landscape because he was one of the best players in the sport last season and he will be the preseason national player of the year. That's no spoiler. It's just, it goes without saying. It's between him and Kate Cunningham, as far as I'm concerned, that are going to eat up all the votes there. Dasumu, in, in, in that perspective, GP, Dasumu is actually now the dark horse sleeper to win Big Ten Player of the season of the year next season, if in fact we can have something of a normal season. And I do think his inclusion on the roster alongside Coburn gives Illinois a real shot at being a top ten level kind of team. They didn't lose a ton. They lost a dude named Kipper. Are you aware of Kipper Nichols's resume here? They are bringing back the top two scores now. That is Desumu and Coburn, and three of the top four scores from a team that finished 21 and 10, 30th at Kempom. Desumu averaged 16.6 points, 4.3 rebounds, 3.3 assists. Coburn was 13.3 points, 8.8 rebounds, 1.4 blocks. Uh, they didn't lose a lot from a you know, top 30 team that was going to make the NCAA tournament. Let me ask you this Do you think anybody's got a better top two? in the country than Illinois got in DeSumo and Coburn? Uh, well, I mean, we got more to get to here, but Baylor has a has a case. Uh, but I would take Coburn and DeSumo. Uh, so best, best one-two punch in America? Best top two. Like, hey, you could take the top two players off anybody's roster. Is anybody better than, than what Illinois has in DeSumo and Coburn? I'd, mm. Off the top of my head, I'd say no. I think they got the best one. <sighs> if you told me... Uh, if you told me Gillespie and Robinson Earl at Villanova grew into that, I'd believe you. Um, Gonzaga, I don't think has a one-two that's better. That's you got a a solid a solid chance at that. Yeah, I I I, I think so. Um, by the way, uh, Illinois is third leading scorer. Do you want to take a crack at that one? I'm not looking at it right now. I could pull it up though, well, or you could just say his name out loud. Well, no, I'm wondering if you want to say his name out loud. If it's a complicated one, I don't think so. Let me look at it. <laughs> let me look. I wonder, me look. you must have had said it at some point last season on Inside College Basketball on CBS Sports uh, I'm I am very good at avoiding names I don't need to be saying live on television. <laughs> I will. I like for people who don't understand how that works, we'll be on inside college basketball or whatever. And they give you what they call a shot sheet. So if there's five highlights, there'll be five very easy to separate boxes. And it'll say like um, Trent Frazier layup, Illinois takes a 31 23 lead. And if the next one is a name that I just don't want to take the chance of of messing around with, I might then just continue talking about that. And so Illinois is up 31-23 here. Illini shot 42% from the three-point range in the first half. Here you see another bucket. That increases it, too. I just skip it completely. Okay. I'm a pro. I've been doing this a little while now, Norlander. I know how to do it. Okay. Well, I'm going to uh, – Illinois fans know who I'm getting at here. 
But uh, good old Georgie, can you you don't even want to just give it a shot? Just it's it's the middle of August, it's the start of August. Who cares? How do you think it's pronounced? There's a, I don't. I honestly, I mean, I could try. It's a little bit like my my homie at Seton Hall, right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. You got a Vili, you got another Vili in there. That's right. Yeah, no, I'm not doing that. It's There's no. I believe, it, I believe, and uh, we'll this leave. Is how you, and this is how you end up an audio clip on an Illinois message board. No way. I know Will Leach is a dedicated Ion College Basketball podcast listener, so he can uh, he can razz us for this after the fact. Or Tom Fornelli, although Fornelli is too obsessed with his own CBS Sports podcast. Uh, do be sure to subscribe and listen to Cover 3. But Georgie Bashan Shafili, I think, is is pretty close to that. I don't have a I don't have enough reps in me, but he is also a very key returner. He was either on the back end or just missed out on our top 101 last season. Um, didn't validate that uh, high esteem, but he can definitely be a top 20 guy in the Big Ten next season as well. And so yes, Illinois, which was coming off its best season in a good while, went 21 and 10. And was certainly on on pace to be a single digit seed. It had not been that good since basically the tail end of the Bruce Weber years. Uh, it had been a decade plus, and now the Fighting Illini uh, restock. They get as we'll get to more players here later in the pod. GP. Um, it isn't a huge surprise, but like most college basketball players of note, you know, top 100 caliber guys that waited until the final 48 hours, most of them are coming back. If you were to ask me three weeks ago, I actually thought DeSumo was going to go. He comes back. Illinois benefits because of it. And uh, because of all that, yes, I think Illinois can be a top three team in the Big Ten. A Big Ten that will be pretty loaded near the top anyway because you've got Iowa, Michigan State, obviously should be pretty good. Wisconsin should be pretty good again. So huge news for the Fighting Illini. And they needed, they deserve that after waiting so long to get back to the tournament. We didn't get a tournament. Hopefully we can have a season next season and Brad Underwood can get them into the field. We've talked about this before, um, that often the top of the sport, we spend so much time discussing recruiting classes. And sometimes the you know top-ranked recruiting classes do – um, impact the top of the sport in in an undeniable way. The Zion, remember R.J. Barrett? Um, doesn't ring a bell. The Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish, uh, uh, R.J. Barrett class, like obviously impacted the top of the sport. The Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd Gilchrist class at Kentucky impacted the top of the sport. The Jilo Okafor, Justice Winslow class at Duke impacted the top of the sport. But more often than that, it is – Programs that get borderline NBA prospects, like legitimate NBA prospects, to return to school. That the, those are those are the programs that tend to really flourish at the top of the sport more consistently. Um, like when you got guys who could reasonably stay in the draft or reasonably come back to school, and they decide to come back to school. And I don't know that anybody right now checks that box better than Illinois. DeSumo and Coburn, I don't know that either would have been a first-round draft pick. I, I doubt either would have been a first-round draft pick. Maybe both are second-round picks, but they could have reasonably both stayed in the draft. They both withdraw, and yeah, it'll be... Do you know Illinois hasn't been in the tournament since 2013? 
Yeah, GP, I was kind of getting at that in my previous thing, but yes, I did realize that. That's what I'm saying. Illinois fans were dying to get back, and then <laughs> like we put a lot of rightful focus on like the San Diego States and Dayton's and all that kind of stuff. But Illinois, from a power conference perspective, Illinois, although it was not going to be a five or six seed most likely, um, was finally going to crack back through, and then you know it's, it's ripped out from underneath them. But yes, it had one of the longer droughts among power conference teams. Right. Um, I, I was personally surprised when I looked I when I was writing about these developments this weekend and I looked at you know I always look when's the last time a team was in the NCAA tournament 2013 I would not have if you'd have put that in a trivia time six days ago you'd have got me good <laughs> and you'd have got me okay just as good as I got you with RJ Barrett once upon a time oh you got me so 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 good there <laughs> go ahead um, I was just trying to think real quick off the top of my head like so Illinois benefits to to me, I'm trying to think if there's a team that's the reverse where they were hoping to to get the guys back like two and they didn't. I don't. It's weird. Like it can't be Kentucky because you expect it. Like you could have said like, okay, Kentucky maybe it wasn't going to lose Nick Richards or an Emmanuel quickly, but that I think that was always going to happen. Um, I don't. I mean, San Diego State losing Malachi Flynn as a second-round pick. Yes, but it, it got Matt Mitchell back. Like, Malachi Flynn would have – San Diego State would have qualified with two. I, I don't think there's any here, GP. I don't think there's a there's a reverse where a school lost a pair where thought it thought, like, you know, maybe it was on the – it was, you know, the only one – and for just full transparency here, the only one that, that I think that would apply to, and we don't have the information at this podcast – is LSU with Trenton Watford and Javante Smart. If both of them were to go, then I think LSU would be the opposite of an Illinois situation there because both of those guys returning, you would consider putting LSU in a top 25 in one kind of situation without them. I think you have a hard sell on LSU even being a top 50 team next season. There was a school that I feel like lost a player or two not too long ago. And it was like that, you know, that guy or those guys could have reasonably come back to school. They didn't, and I had to drop them out of the top twenty-five and one. But I don't remember who it is now. Uh, I mean, Houston, Nate Hinton. Left. I still got Houston in the. You do. You know, That's right. Yeah, That's right. but but they, you know, they they did lose players that you don't necessarily bank on losing. Um, uh, Stanford, I just dropped out. Now Tyrell Terry looks like he could be a first-round pick. Right. So. You know, it's hard to blame a first-round pick, but Stanford is a school that I dropped out of the top 25 and won with Terry's decision to remain in the draft. May, Reggie Perry was always going to go, and then Robert Woodard announced he was going. So Mississippi State, uh, Nick Weatherspoon, I think, was out as well. So that might have been it, but I don't know if they were ever in your top 25 and won. But otherwise, I'm not sure. GP, I'm not sure who that would have been otherwise that schools that would have been under consideration there. Um, I, I think Stanford is the team that I was thinking of because I just removed them like last week. Gotcha. Well, listen, bottom line is Illinois gets back. It's, it's a wonderful situation for the program because it gets back two players like Kofi Coburn was a top 12 freshman in America, I think indisputably last season. Now he, his skill set doesn't, easily translate to the NBA now and so that's why he's returning and he has some work to do but actually I think that he is while not super efficient uh, certainly a stat monster and can make a very big jump in year number two and then you get to Sumu back 
wonderful playmaker, really has a penchant for some really clutch play. And so you get two really good guys back into the mix. Uh, that's a big-time sign for Brad Underwood in that program, and it should make for a pretty, again, all, as always, it just should be, it, it goes without saying at this point, if we can get something of a normal season, whether it's conference only or whatever, Illinois does have itself set up to be very successful within the confines of a very competitive conference. I don't know if I'd go as big as top 10 right now. I could certainly probably be talked into it, but certainly top 20 and the jump, the vault is obviously validated on your end. Yeah. Uh, Illinois now sixth in the top 25 and one that is second in the big 10 behind only the Iowa Hawkeyes. All right, so that's the Illinois news. We'll get into some of the unsurprising but still significant underclassmen decisions next. Corey Kispert, Jared Butler, Luca Garza. But first, check this out. All right, GP. Well, this weekend brings the first golf major of 2020. The PGA Championship's going down in San Francisco. That means Tiger, Phil, Rory, all the top players are going to be teeing it up. And so, of course... CBS Sports' The First Cut podcast has you covered with daily fantasy stuff and betting previews. Plus, you're going to get round-by-round analysis and reaction after every day of the tournament. That's pretty awesome. No other golf podcast does that. Listen to The First Cut to learn how you could win $4,000 this week by playing in our CBS Sports golf props game. You can find The First Cut on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now even YouTube. Just search for The First Cut Golf Podcast wherever you like to enjoy your podcasts. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So there were some other big headline decisions made over the past few days. Luca Garza announced he's returning to Iowa. Corey Kispert announced he's returning to Gonzaga. Jared Butler announced he's returning to Baylor. So that's great news for the Hawkeyes, for the Zags, and for Terry Teagle's alma mater. I have all three of those teams in the top five, of the top 25 and one. Number one, Gonzaga. Number two, Baylor. Number five, Iowa. Norlander, let's start with Luca Garza. Again, unsurprising news announced Sunday afternoon on a Zoom call, but still significant because Iowa could be a Final Four team for the first time since 1980 with Luca Garza back. As you've already pointed out, he is the no-brainer pick for preseason National Player of the Year, and Iowa now has a chance, at least according to the top 25-1, they're the favorite, to be the Big Ten regular season title. And if they win the Big Ten regular season title, it'll be the first (sighs) Big Ten regular season title since trivia time uh, win uh, uh, I, can't, I can't believe you went there <laughs> just can't believe you went there I was going to ask this I was going to ask this to you this was my trivia time 
You you set up a trivia time and it was it replicates my own trivia time. That's correct. Holy lord! With the, the, I already I already know I already know 1979. Did that surprise you when you looked it up? Because obviously that's the year Michigan State wins the national title with Magic Johnson over Larry Bird in Indiana State, and yet Michigan State was co Big Ten champs that year with Purdue. And with Iowa, Iowa went 0-2 against Michigan State that season, but still shared the league title with the Spartans. And Iowa's head coach was? Lute Olson. Lute Olson. Now, uh, the reason why it surprised me was because when I looked this up in advance of our podcast, USOB, you took my damn trivia time. I figured, like I knew Iowa had some success in the 80s under Lute. And so I actually thought that it would have been a little more recent than that, just maybe uh, early to mid 80s. But that was not the that was not the case. Olson was there until 83. And then he got to he went to Arizona and completely built that program into a into a powerhouse there. But uh, but yes, uh, the last time that Iowa won the Big Ten regular season was 79. And that was the first year of what was a five consecutive season run to the NCAA tournament and really um help get that uh, Iowa program going. But, uh, you know, we talked about Illinois, and now we, uh, Big Ten heavy here to kind of start the pod. Hawkeyes fan Garza coming back is huge. I had been told that he was given, uh, and this is understandable, obviously, but, like, no real promise of being picked. Um, certainly could have gone in the second round, but no real assurances that was the case. And in absence of that, uh, I was told that Garza had opportunities to make pretty significant money for a first-year player coming out of college overseas if he so chose. He's obviously putting that off, wants to return to college, and good good for him. I mean, listen, you are going to be able to, as Paris has mentioned, mentioned this trope plenty of times on the podcast over the, over the years, I mean, you get to have an experience, hopefully unlike any other, where you, you're not just returning to be the best player on your team, not even just returning to probably be the best player in your conference. You are returning... And you will be really right alongside because Kate Cunningham will get plenty of rightful pub. Like, but the face or one of the two or three faces of your sport—that's an awesome, amazing thing to have to get to experience. And in the process, you're also you're not you're not doing this as great as it is to do it at a traditional powerhouse, a, a program that expects to make Sweet Sixteens annually and Elite Eights and Final Fours. You're doing it at Iowa, which has you know little spurts here and there of relevance, but is not an a reliable year-over-year top 25 program. Well, it has become that as of late, and now you get to do it there and help create something special and really has a chance uh, to be like an all-time legend within the program. So good on Garza and Iowa being the preseason top team in the Big Ten. It'll be interesting to see how that program handles it because they have been hit or miss in years past when they haven't expected to be a top 10 team GP or top 15 or any like not even close to that they've had some letdown years and they've done the reverse thing where they haven't expected to be too too good maybe projected to be ninth or 10th in the league and they've wound up popping up pretty high fourth or fifth overall so I will be interested to see how Garza does and uh, the Hawkeyes on the whole but that's uh, that's the big to me even though it might have been expected to me Garza returning to Iowa is the biggest headline we've seen in the sport in the past 72 hours simply because he'll be the preseason player of the year. Yeah, I don't know anybody who didn't think he was going to be back. But still, if you're an Iowa fan, you know, you don't know until you hear it. And, you know, I was on the Zoom call with Luca on Sunday. And, you know, there is still and our old buddy Sam Vecini pointed this out. Uh, at the athletic last week, it was the first time I I had not thought of this before he pointed it out. But there is a, 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 a way that an underclassman could withdraw from the NBA draft 
by today, but then still enter the NBA draft as long as he does so before the NBA draft deadline, mm-hmm. which is you know deeper into the calendar. And so somebody asked Luca that yesterday, like, okay, you're withdrawing from the draft right now, but you could still re-enter the draft. Are you telling us definitively you're not? Um, you know, going to be a professional, you are hundred percent going to be at Iowa next season. And he said, the only way is if somebody calls me and tells me I'm, I'll be the number one pick in the draft. And he said, then I'd have something to think about. But other than that, I, I yes, I'm going to play college basketball uh, w- one more season. And so Iowa fans celebrated um, and, and uh, rightfully so. I will say that, you know, as much as we've talked about how difficult it would be for, for at least from my perspective, to turn down going back and being the preseason national player of the year in a league like the Big Ten for possibly the conference favorite to maybe take your team for your school to the Final Four for the first time in you know since 1980, uh, you know to, to to turn all of that down to be a maybe second round pick or go overseas. Like I I don't think I would do it. Um, it the truth is, you you say. You know, he, he's got all this great stuff in front of him. It's not going to be as great as it could be because, uh, you know, like you noted earlier, um, it goes without saying at this point, we're living in different times. And so the idea that he's going to be able to play in a jam-packed home arena, mm-hmm. have a senior night that feels normal, it just all seems unlikely. You know, we'll wait and keep our fingers crossed, but it, it seems unlikely. So it won't be everything it could have been but it'll still be pretty awesome. Like how often in life, even if you are a, you know, good enough at something to become a professional, how often in life are you the best player on a relevant team and the best player arguably in your sport? Like Luca Garza will never like Luca Garza back at Iowa. He will be the best player on a relevant team and arguably the best player in his entire sport. That'll never happen again, I wouldn't think, unless he plays in like a mediocre league overseas somewhere and he's just a a stud. But like he'll never have this opportunity again, which is, you know, when I talked to him earlier in the summer and then he reiterated on Sunday, you know, it was just too much to pass up. He, But it, it does stink that it won't be everything it could be. I agree. I mean, that's uh, that's part of it. But, you know, GP, as we talk about these players who have decided to come back, uh, I find it at least a little interesting um, that so many of them are doing it and are doing it when we don't have any idea about next season, how it can start, if it'll start, when it'll start. And you see, you know, the NBA in a bubble situation having a good amount of success. You see baseball being much more skittish. You see on the college football side the um, the the good trouble, if you will, that Pac-12 players are trying to get into to make changes and the challenges that await college football and some of the doubts. And so um, I wouldn't have been surprised if we saw a few more players wind up going and choosing to stay in the draft and really that meaning I'm going to try and get a uh, pro contract overseas, uh, but instead they are deciding that the campus environment they they deem it to be safe, which is seems fairly fairly true for the most part. It's not perfect, but uh, in a controlled environment that's safe, and they're gonna uh, certainly hope that they can have some sort of season there. So I thought you know amid all as we talk about all these decisions, 
even though Garza's not going to have the absolute ideal uh, senior experience, uh, I thought that it was worth noting just how many players decided to come back, even facing plenty of uncertainty for next season. Yeah, but I, I think the common thread here is that, like, okay, let's just talk about the big names that have announced in the past 24 or so hours. Luca Garza at Iowa, Jared Butler at Baylor, Corey Kispert at Gonzaga, Chris Smith at UCLA. These are all players who are choosing between, let's be honest, not being a first-round pick, maybe not being picked at all, or coming back and playing in a power conference for a nationally ranked team. Like that, 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 that choice is a little easier, I think, than, um, you know, if you're picking between returning to Delaware yeah. or staying or staying in the NBA draft. Like, you know, the, all of these guys have a chance to win conference championships, have a chance to play in the NCAA tournament, have a chance in theory to go to the Final Four, to be stars on those types of teams. Um, where and, and when you contrast that with, okay, Jared Butler had to know he's not going to be a first-round draft pick. Maybe not picked at all. Same thing for Corey Kispert. Same thing for Luca Garza. Same thing for Chris Smith. Okay, if you're not picked, what happens? Well, uh, G League might not even play. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the reason the NBA is playing right now is because it's a billion-dollar industry. Like, they need to pull this off. G League's a money loser. So, you, you know, you're not going to play it um, un, in unsafe circumstances. You know, there's no G League season. They, like, they're not continuing this one the way they're continuing the NBA. So is the G League even going to be there for you if you need it? overseas like are you sure you want to do that right now in the middle of a pandemic so I, I though I do think it's noteworthy that all of these players are returning to college basketball I don't think it necessarily means what some people think it means like ooh, look at all these players deciding to come back to college basketball like yeah t- deciding to come back to college basketball under these very unique and specific circumstances I think needs to be added onto that sentence Sure. Um, I do think, and this is some, you know, gained intel. I think Corey Kispert was 100% getting drafted if he st- if he stayed in, but um, he thinks that he has the potential to become a first round pick. Obviously, Gonzaga would be a top three team and has as good of a chance next season as it's as maybe it's ever had to win a national championship. And I say that knowing full well, it's had three or four teams certainly uh, quite capable there. I think he's the only one. To me, Kispert was the only one who of the guys that have decided in the past 48 hours or so decided to a stay and really had a healthy chance at going in like the top 45, but he opts to come back alongside Joel Ayayi at, at Gonzaga. Uh, those two come back, obviously Petrushev is long gone as we talked about on a previous podcast, but even in coming back Gonzaga uh, restocks and reloads there. And uh, that's, that's the kind of to me. Okay, GP. Let's just let's just say we get a conference only season and we, we can have a tournament. Well, let's just live in that world for a minute. There, Corey Kispert deciding to come back versus not to me is the very difference between Gonzaga having a chance at winning a national championship and not. He's a wonderful shooter, extremely uh, adroit at knowing when and how to shoot, when to move in that offense. Has a, a good sized body, has improved well year after year after year. And without him, I just think Gonzaga would be missing a key piece. I would have certainly not put them in a preseason top five. Maybe not even a top 10. I do think he's that valuable to them. So he is, while Garza is, as I said before, like the headline Kispert to me is 
not as important to that team as Garza is to him, but it is as important for Gonzaga having national title aspirations, and Kispert made that decision, uh, announced it through the school early on Monday, and um, th- that is certainly a, a very big one, and Mark Few restocks and reloads, and we'll have a chance. Uh, I'm talking off the top of my head, GP, but this has got to be true. I mean, if, if Gonzaga's the preseason number one, that would be the first time in school history, I believe. I don't think they've had good teams recently, but I don't think they've ever been preseason number one, correct? I don't believe they've ever been so. preseason number one. They have been ranked number one, obviously, throughout well, seasons, yeah. different seasons, but I'm not sure they've ever been preseason number one, which means for consecutive years. Yes. We would have first time preseason number ones because this also surprised me. Michigan State until last season had right. never been preseason number one. I remember talking to Tom Izzo last preseason. I was like, well, Tom, it's about time. You got your school in a position to be preseason number one. Like I was wondering if you were ever going to get this done in your Hall of Fame career. So um, he knocks that off. And then Mark Few. Um, it, oh, and by the way, it, it's not clear that Gonzaga is going to be preseason number one. Like I'm kind of in the minority you here. Are. Yeah. Yeah, I have Gonzaga number one. I've got Baylor number two. I've got Villanova number three. I think based on just me surveying college basketball media, because I I look at what everybody else does, obviously, um, more people have Baylor number one or Villanova number one than Gonzaga number one. I'm riding with my Zags. I'm I'm West Coast Conference for life. But um, our buddy Jeff Forzello tweeted, I think, that – it's got to be Gonzaga, Baylor, Villanova in some order in the top three. His point being, those are the top three. Do you agree with that, or do you could you sneak somebody else in the top three? No, I agree with that. Although I, I do, I, I very much push against groupthink. Like, given the way that the college basketball media economy has been working for five, six, seven years now, by the time we get to October, like the Final Four ends, we put out our, <laughs> we put out our top twenty-five lists. Then we have all these transfer decisions coming and going in the draft in a normal year, and then we like we churn through preseason. And by the time we get to October and the AP and the coaches' polls release, it just feels like everything has just been matted, smoothed down, ironed out, and groupthink can't help but settle in. So I push against that a little bit. But I do think those are the three most rational, uh, likely teams to put there. But I do have a trivia time for you here. Okay. 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 Come on. Come on. Shouts to the College Poll Archive and the person behind this. You do great work. I'm actually using this for an ongoing project that I'm going to reveal later in the year. So Gonzaga has never been preseason number one. Um, They their highest ever was number three in the preseason. But that's not the trivia time. The trivia time I have for you is the other team you mentioned, Baylor. What What's your guess at Baylor's highest preseason ranking? Ever, and this is obviously per the AP poll in its program history. Seven. Okay. Incorrect. Lower. This is always tricky because, like, the <laughs> you mean lower, like lower ranking or lower number? Uh, it's a lower ranking. Yes, it's a lower <laughs> ranking. Because yes. those are two different I, things. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's a lower ranking. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, then it's 11, clearly. Uh, you are off by one. Its highest ever ranking is 12. I don't have the year that was. It doesn't show, but it says 12. And then, Oh, the- I bet you I know what year. You better look up what year Terry Teagle was there. <laughs> by the way, I did get a, I, I got a text from Scott Drew today, and all it is is it's Terry Teagle with, like, a big smiley emoji. <laughs> Just like, that's <laughs> uh, too good. I believe uh, Scott Drew's wife is a dedicated listener of the podcast, so shouts to uh, shouts to the Drew family there. All right, other, other other trivia time is the other team we were just talking about there, Villanova. 
Never been a preseason number one in the AP. What's your guess at their highest ranking in the preseason? Four. Off, off by one, it is three. So we will have history. Do you like that I just throw out numbers very confidently? Well, and you're and saying, really it, just you're saying it like my four-year-old, by the way. When I ask him a question, he's just like, four? Okay. <laughs> a little, little attitude behind that. Anyway, the point is Baylor, Gonzaga, Villanova, one of those three teams is going to be the preseason number one in the AP Top 25 poll. I think that's a guarantee whenever that poll does arrive. And one of those schools in getting there will set a school record. They will do it, as GP mentioned. It will be the second straight season that that has happened there um, with all of that. Real quick, GP, let's just fly off on some tangents here real quick. Um, I did want to mention, you mentioned Michigan State, and it sparked something in me, because we talk about the guys coming back. Michigan State gets Aaron Henry back, which was expected, and that's good. It loses Xavier Tillman, which, to me, Tillman... Uh, should have made this decision like two months ago. Uh, I am, I think, higher on Tillman than just about anyone, with the exception uh, of our dutiful managing editor at CBS Sports, Adi Joseph, who I believe thinks Tillman is like a top 10 guy in this draft. You won't find anyone putting Tillman that higher in their mock drafts, but I'm with him in that. Xavier Tillman, to me, defensively is elite, really good rebounder. There is some growth on the offensive side. I get that. Uh, age might be used against him a little bit, but um, he doesn't have a first-round guarantee. Uh, he is a father of two. Um, so I, I, if, if no other reason, I mean, GP, we're both parents of multiple children there, and I'm just trying to think, like, why would you have returned to school when you're going to get drafted for sure? Now you're you're feeding for four here. you got to move along. So Michigan State takes an expected thing in losing Tillman, but he did wait until the final 24 hours or so, 28, 48 hours or so before making that decision. He moves along. Michigan State gets Henry back. I have not looked, informed the listeners, because of that movement, where do you have Michigan State in your preseason top 25 and one? Well, um, I had them, see, oh, like early, I guess late last week, there started to be, uh, the way I wrote it was growing speculation. Uh, that's the safest way to phrase such things that he might really withdraw from the draft, which again, makes no sense to me because um, listen, already graduated, married, two children, and it's, you know, probably a first round pick. Like uh, the, the easiest decisions for guys are when they're, you know, a guaranteed top 10 pick. Like you just, you got to go unless you hate money or love college, you just got to go. Uh, but outside of those type of guys. So like outside of uh, uh, Obi Toppin and uh, you know, other obvious you know, top 10 guys, I, I think Xavier Tillman had the easiest decision to make of anybody. Like I, you're married, you have two young children. Uh, you're probably going, I, I have him in the twenties. Um, but because like, why, just go enter the draft and good luck and get on with your life. But the, the growing speculation, when I had to update over the weekend after the Illinois news, I said, well, look, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm projecting anyway. So I'll just go ahead and projecting on Michigan state's roster and then if he withdraws from the draft, great. And if he doesn't, it's just a fresh 2 million views for the top 25 and one when I have to adjust again. So two, it's all good. 2 million, huh? <laughs> it, it, it's up there. It gets up there. And so I said, uh, it gets up there. so I draw, I, I moved Michigan state into the top five with Xavier Tillman projected on the roster and then when he announced he's withdrawn from he is staying in the draft rather i put him right back where i had him before which is one spot behind wisconsin they are 11th in the top 25 and one right now okay um 
I'd probably have them a little bit lower. I do like your Wisconsin placement. They are uh, they have a chance to be uh, definitely very sneaky good there. But yeah, Tillman going makes all the sense in the world there. Um, they would with him uh, could have been uh, beastly. There's no doubt about it. Um, on the topic of big men though, real quick, because you mentioned him in passing, I didn't want to have the podcast. We still got to get to the Baylor guys, but I didn't want to m- miss this guy. A decision to come back that I expected. I. I had been told that the interest in him was higher than I had initially um, let on. I think in a, I don't think it was on the podcast. I think I wrote about it. Uh, but that's Chris Smith at UCLA. He's make to me. He has made the right decision in that. I do think if we can get a season, Chris Smith has a really good chance um, in his senior season to make another jump and really secure himself as a draft pick a year from now. He's a six nine forward. Remember, we're talking about UCLA uh, coached by its 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 greatest coach, only entering his second season, and. Although they lost Dacian Nix to the G League, there's enough talent coming back. Jalen Hill returns. Tiger Campbell, obviously, can make a big step up there. Cody Riley. UCLA getting Chris Smith back, I think, is significant, particularly in that league, GP. Because Stanford takes a big knockdown, undeniably. USC will probably be pretty competitive. Arizona State, another decision expected. But Remy Martin, he's coming on back uh, to the Sun Devils there. Arizona's going to take a huge draw. Arizona is probably the most mysterious team in the league there. And so UCLA getting Chris Smith back. Remember, this team surged, finished second in the league last season did UCLA. So getting him back, I just wanted to mention that on the pod because he's not a – most people don't don't know Chris Smith. I understand that. But he was more integral to their success last season than I think people realize. Him coming back validates UCLA. Where do you have him in your rankings now? 22nd. 22nd. And I had him obviously higher, that, higher than that with Dacia Nix earlier in the offseason. He's going to the G League program. But I will tell you, you're going to let Mick Cronin win Pac-12 Coach of the Year honors and then return all five starters? That's a mistake. <laughs> That's a mistake if you're in the Pac-12. <laughs> Listen, they don't, they don't even know what they got coming to them. I understand that. It's a big time. It's a big how time. How are you going to let the best coach in UCLA history return all five starters? It's over with for you. It's over. Over. Although I do have Oregon projected to win the Pac-12. Okay. Well, you know, a little crosstalk, double talk. What can you do there? Um, okay. Uh, one more decision here. John Petty's coming back to Bama. I don't think we mentioned that. Just he, John Petty back at Bama along with Herb Jones. You have the tide ranked? I do not, but um, but I could. It's re. I, I know. Listen, it's there. Are, there are a handful of teams that I do not have in the top twenty-five and one that I'd love to have them if I had room for them. Florida State um, is one, and certainly Alabama is another. Okay, hold on, because you, you put again. You put Florida State in your rankings at twenty-six. Did you not? Poor, poor Florida State keeps getting bounced in and out and in and out and in and out based on other things. So like, oh, I moved. Memphis in after Musa Cisse committed. Yeah. I, I, you know, I have to live here. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have to live here. No, you, you don't know, have to, but yeah, go ahead. Give me, give me a break. All right. So, uh, and then that bumped Florida state out, but then, then I dropped Stanford out. Yeah. So that bumped Florida state back in, but then here comes Illinois <laughs> and that bumped Florida state back out. So Florida state's number 27 right now. Who's who's 24. Uh, so I got 22 UCLA, 23 Indiana, 24 Arkansas, 25 Memphis, 26 Arizona State. Arkansas gets Isaiah Joe back. That's another notable returnee. All right. Alabama is going to be right there as well. John Petty, Herb Jones coming back. That's uh, 
that's a that's an important duo. It's not quite on the uh, Coburn and Desumu level, but it it, it is a, a solid version in the SEC, in, in my opinion, overall. So that's certainly uh, one to, uh, to 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 take stock in. All right, so FSC is twenty seven. Bama shouldn't be too too far behind. Okay, let's let's just talk. Uh, well, I know you talked Maceo's Teague with Kyle Boone because I listened to the podcast, but Jared Butler also returned. That became official on Monday. This was the hope and expectation of the coaching staff that both these guys would indeed come back. They do, and in the process, they continue. Uh, you know, a, a bit of a golden age here for Baylor. I had written uh, a bit of a thing on them uh, about eight nine days ago. Here, uh, Scott Drew has like a top three recruiting class for next season. Now he's going to be a top three preseason team coming off of, oh, by the way, last season was the best season in Baylor history. No postseason stuff aside there. So um, as meaningful as any other duo, um, maybe not as good as Kofern and uh, Desumu, but Teague and Butler coming back, when you consider what they were last season, and they're still going to have, I mean, that defense Baylor's GP Baylor is going to have a real shot at being the best defensive team in America next season. Because remember, Mark Vital is back. He, Mark Vital was just one small notch below Marcus Garrett as the best defender in the Big Twelve, and so therefore was like a top five, top seven defender in America. Um, Baylor's stocked and loaded, and uh, and certainly good to go. Baylor, you know, at the time the season was canceled, was a projected number one seed. Yeah. All right. So then that's ripped away. Now they're maybe going to be preseason number one. And like you mentioned, top three recruiting class on the way. I mean, that program is set up to be, to be coming off an awesome season, have another awesome season. And then like a big bright future. Like it, it is, you know, we've spent so much time over the years talking about, you know, Baylor and what Scott's done, but man, I mean, who outside of the obvious, like Kentucky is always set up, to be awesome and Duke is always set up to be awesome who set up better for the present and the future at this moment than Baylor maybe nobody UCLA and Mick Cronin obviously sure yeah, I mean I you, yeah I, listen if you can't keep up the bit then what's the point of the bit like I don't <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know I don't know what you want from me right now but we just okay, answered I'll, that I'll question just, three minutes just, ago go, go, going forward um, let's just have it established on the podcast. When we're talking about who is the best this or who's set up to be better than th- it, it, the understanding is in a, you know, after UCLA, okay. like who, who, who's set up to be, who's set up to be the best of the country besides UCLA. That's what we mean. And Baylor, Baylor checks the boxes, man. They do, they do, and uh, listen, we'll we'll wind up talking about them plenty because uh, we're gonna have plenty of time to do so leading up the podcast. One more thing I wanted to ask you: um, any other decisions? Because I'm trying to, you know, refresh listeners' minds if they haven't checked your top twenty-five and one. Please do so, by the way, on the CBS Sports app or CBSSports.com. But any other movement in the past three to five days, either a, a significant team bumping up or dropping down because of draft decisions that might not have, uh, you know, been a big hit on the radar, so to speak. Not really. Uh, like I, I project the way I do it is different than the way some people do it. Like I make definitive projections on who's going to be on this roster and then I rank. And then when anything changes, I adjust. And that's how you get 23 fresh versions of the top 25 and one. It's a paid view killer in the offseason, Orlando. You should do one yourself. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
<laughs> Actually, you should. You want, so, you want to have competing top 25 and ones? Or should I be like Goodman and be like, you know what? Here's my top 27. <laughs> no, no, Goodman does. No, no. Rothstein went top 45 and then Goodman went top 50. It, it's just idiocy. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, uh, what are we doing? A top 50. Oh, my gosh. gosh. And, and then Ro- Rothstein tweets every non-league game for every <laughs> Summit League team in the country. So Goodman decides he wants to rank America East assistant coaches. Like, don't <laughs> Oh, man. We're just we're just hunting for the content, man. We're just hunting for the content. Dude, it's just... If I ever get to a I, if we never have college basketball again, I will come up with something to do besides rank America East assistance. <laughs> I promise you. Hey, man, you gotta give some you gotta give some respect for the guys in the in the America East. Don't I have don't... incredible respect for everybody? My point would be, who's reading that? Honestly. <laughs> America East assistants <laughs> and head coaches and Dobo. Uh, listen, don't downplay that Dobo readership. Okay, don't downplay it. It's it reminds me of when Goodman worked with us, and he used to always want us to. All right, we're going to check th- in with every coach <laughs> who went on a trip uh, to 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 uh, Cancun. So next thing you know, I'm doing a breakdown of Morgan State's trip to Cancun. It's like, what are, what are we doing? They're absolutely beautiful. Listen, first of all, I must a shout out to Kyle Saplicki, uh, associate head coach at UVM, just a wonderful America East assistant, done doing a great job. Hamlet Tibbs, another one on that staff, future head coaches, no doubt about it. But um, I I sent this in a group chat with us. This was like two months ago, I think, or maybe it was longer than that, but. I found some of those old trippings. I think you talked to like the Jacksonville State head coach or something like that about what they were doing. And you know what? It was an innocent. It was an adorable time. The fact that that Goodman got you to go along with that was unbelievable. Because oh, there, there is there is no scenario where we we, we would zero percent like if he ever was like, hey, let's try to talk to everybody who goes on a trip and and <laughs> perish. Um, why don't you reach out to um, Delaware State? I'd be like, come on, man. You're, you're out of your – if that's the way you want to spend your time, knock it out. I'm focused. I am focused on Mick Cronin and UCLA right now. Oh, man, the trippings. Those did – that That just does take me back, though. That is uh, – that's that's an absolute throwback here. Um, hey, by the way, how how are your Mets doing? Holy God. I mean, I – it's already a disaster. They've lost five straight, and the, the guy who hit the game-winning homer for him on opening day quit the team like he's James Wiseman. <laughs> hold on they legit have lost five straight i thought i caught them i thought i caught them like two nights ago and they had won or they were winning they blew it oh, oh they were winning they were up uh, 10 to 2 yeah i got that they lost that game yes 11 to 10 that's un dude that's unbelievable oh my god because i actually thought about you okay so real quick uh, like the so va- the the sunday of the, that started my vacation there was like I was white from the kids. There was nothing on TV. I was like, all right, well, at least, you know what? Let's, I'll just watch a little baseball here, live through the Mets vicariously through GP. I don't even know who they were playing, but it was like 7-1 to one in the second inning. And I texted you. I was like, I can't do this. This is absolutely brutal. And your response back to me was like, I waited all day for this. Like my entire day was building up to this. And it's like 7-1 to one in the second inning. Conversely, then I don't see any Mets stuff. Like my Cubbies, by the way, seven and two, just rocking it. Unbelievable. I'm going to be so pissed if baseball screws us up and has to stop the season. But then I see, I see your freaking Mets five days later, 
And I see it was like 10 to 2 or whatever. I was like, all right, at least he's going to get this win. I can't believe they freaking blew that lead. That's un- uh, that's so metsy. That's that's crazy, uh, GP. They, they, they've now lost five straight. Jonas Cespedes quit the team in the middle of the night. <laughs> I just left. They couldn't find him. He went to the mall in Atlanta instead of to the ballpark in Atlanta. Did you see this? People posted on Instagram. It's like bumped like the Mets and Braves are playing down the street. And some like, you know, couple oh. guys in their 20s are like, we bumped into Cespedes at the mall. He's at the mall. <laughs> like, what, what are what are we doing? <sighs> it, is, it is. Oh, it, it is insane that I put myself through this. I look forward to baseball all like really as as college basketball season annually is coming to a close. I get excited for two reasons. One, it's the best time of college basketball season. It's March Madness. And then it's like, hey, I, I'm about to be back in my own bed for a while. I put my suitcase up and. Major League Baseball's opening day is the same weekend as the Final Four. Always, yes. So it's like, so it's like Final Four is over. Come home, put my suitcase up, watch the Mets. It's like what I actually look forward to. Then I don't get that this year because of COVID nineteen. And then finally, baseball gets here. Cespedes hits a bomb on opening day, and I'm like, oh boy! Like Degrom gives up no runs, and Cespedes hits a bomb, and the Mets are one and zero. It's on my anniversary. I was like, this is like the this is this is my this is all I've ever wanted in life. Having a nice dinner with my wife after Jacob DeGrom just it, it gave up zero runs and Cespedes and it has been a disaster ever. The only thing still okay since that day is is my marriage. Everything else in my life is terrible. The Mets suck. They can't beat anybody. The Grizzlies are 0-2 in the bubble. You know what? It's a return to normalcy. That's what I say. Things <laughs> nature is healing. I did find myself like, you know what? This is usually the way I spend summer nights. Just, just, just mad at the Mets bullpen. So I guess this is, this is, I guess this is normal. I'm just sitting here, my young children are having to watch me cuss out a bullpen. Oh man, unbelievable. Well, it's good it, is, to, um, it is unbelievable, it's Norlander. Good, it's it's actually unbelievable. <laughs> um, I'm loving those cubbies, though. They're they're off to a nice start there. All right, good deal, man. Um, I got nothing else on hoops. You got anything else for me? Not unless you want to break down UCLA's non-league schedule. Let's let's save that for like a little later in August. A little, little special podcast breaking down. Speaking speaking of special podcasts, um, I'm glad to hear that the response has been good with our draft profiles. We will have another one later this week. To everyone that went, I did check on my vacation. I, I did hop in. I pulled a GP. I hopped into those Apple Podcast reviews. Saw the nice reviews. Uh, please continue. Uh, let us know what what you like. And in fact, I'm going to offer this up unprompted here. We're going to get to like at least eight or ten of these guys at the top, but. If uh, if a few of you, whether in the podcast reviews or on Twitter, and we're, this is going to be literally like one player, if there's a particular player that's projected outside the lottery that you pr- think is particularly interesting, maybe we'll do a listener's choice one and we'll dedicate time to a player there as well. But we're glad you like it. We keep those condensed. These are long ones. We stretch out our legs. We get to do what we get to do, and we're happy that you like it. So we'll have another one coming uh, later this week, and that will be weekly for sure throughout August and then deep into September. So I was happy the response was well because we did it on a whim, and uh, and they're they're efficient as hell as well so we're uh, we're happy to do them yeah we try to keep those between like 20 and 30 minutes so you can knock them out like on a treadmill you can knock them out on your short drive to work or your long drive to work whatever so uh yes like norlander said we will keep doing those and on the um reviews at apple Podcasts, i'll be honest i got out of a habit of looking at them because during the season we were taking questions from those and and shouting out uh 
um, a podcast reviewer. And so I would look at him constantly to try to pull questions and, and try to see what people were saying. And I sort of got out of that habit when we stopped doing that. But I went back within the past couple of weeks and there were some really nice reviews in there. They made me smile. So thank you. That really, that does well, if, if I, if it, if I, if I've gone too long without being publicly appreciative, I apologize uh, because it, it's nice to read. Uh, here's the deal. So, and we get out of here after this. I, I was talking with one of our podcast producers, if you will. And, I happen to think I, I agree. There's actually some funny stuff in there. I think if we can get some more reviews, some happy reviews, some questions, whatever. I I do think if we hit, if we happen to hit a pretty slow week here in August, which I think might happen, if we did one podcast where we just got ridiculous and took like. 10 or 15 of these and even did like rapid fire like just read them off i think the listeners might like that and they can be basketball related you can ask gp about his mets fandom i don't even care i think there is the potential for something uh really funny off of that because when you get down to it a lot of the stuff we do on this podcast uh that's become like staples of it we don't plan it out it just kind of happens spontaneously and uh, i think there might be room for that as well so that's me that's my way of encouraging you go to the apple podcast Leave a nice review. If you want to throw us a question and we hit a slow week here in August or early September, we'll try and make time to do a special one, spring it on you, something a little a bit different to spice up your day because, because uh, hey, why not? Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. And thank you for listening once again in the middle of a pandemic. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell one person about it. And if you're not subscribed yet, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts including Apple Podcasts. I'd appreciate it. We appreciate you. Please go do that, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.